I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor. And welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and, in essence, catch up on our cinema. So, it is the month of August 2021, and we are in the midst of the month of Moss. Mm-hmm. Uh, essentially, what we've been doing this month is uh, taking an extensive look into the filmography of one Elizabeth Moss, uh, who is an actress who is uh, probably most famous for her role on Mad Men, uh, as well as, I think it's a Hulu series? Uh, a Handmaid's Tale, yeah. Yeah, and uh, Kyle is a big fan of her work, mm-hmm. and uh, we wanted to use this month as an excuse to just take a deep dive into her filmography, and uh, in my case, uh, almost all of this has been a, a catching up for me. I really haven't even seen her television work, so virtually every month, virtually every movie we've covered this month has been totally new to me, and yeah. I guess Kyle as well. Yeah, as I say, this is an introduction to Elizabeth Moss for you. Yeah, uh, so one thing, folks, uh, that's probably worth disclosing right up front is uh, Kyle is actually physically in the same room as me for the first time in oh, I don't even know how long. I can't even remember the last movie we did in person. It's insane. I should actually see if I can figure that out because that would be really interesting to, to note, like, what was the last film that we, we recorded in person. But, uh, yeah, uh, we've been recording remote for probably a year and a half, maybe even two years or something. Um, so this this is a totally weird experience. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I actually just told Kyle a couple minutes ago that uh, it's very unusual talking to him without there being any latency, like any lag. It's like normally I'm I'm waiting for a response, but now he's just like really fucking quick on the draw. And I'm just like, oh, man, I feel like really slow. <laughs> like I got to hurry up. Well, there won't be any barkings, which is really exciting. I won't have uh, three dogs just waiting to bark at stuff. Yeah, that that's something that, you know, I'm not gonna miss <laughs> i mean they are adorable but yes. but you know having a bargaining like literally like every hour on the hour is is a little much you're not the only one uh but yeah so we're uh we're doing this is our second to last uh elizabeth moss movie uh this week we're doing shirley from 2020 i'm uh, sorry of course elizabeth moss uh also starring odessa young who I have never heard of by the way i have no idea who she is yeah i'm kind of not surprised um based on like taking a look at the director's previous works but yeah uh, she is a total unknown quantity to me uh, apparently she's an Aussie, uh so yet another one of those working in the hollywood system uh, yeah. <laughs> just, can't have too many of those they took our jobs <laughs> well i mentioned that because i was just like she's second build on the movie like on imdb which i'm like okay so she must be somebody and i looked at it, i'm like she must be like big on netflix or something but i couldn't really tell but some creep in the imdb trivia put this is her first on-screen nude scene. So I'm like, why does that matter? Nobody upvoted it, by the way. Nobody thought it, thought it was interesting. Uh, I'm just like, that's really weird. Why would you put that on there? I mean, one. I'm guessing a, an alternative way of phrasing that is she shows her boobers. Yes, she shows her <laughs> boobs in this movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, that is weird considering like she doesn't have an extensive filmography. <laughs> yeah. Like, why is that noteworthy? Why is that noteworthy? Yeah. Uh, um, then we have uh, Michael Stolberg. Uh, I think I'm saying that right. Stolberg. Uh, Stuhlbarg. Stuhlberg. Um, and then... Logan Lerman, who I've just been following. The, I've not been following his career, but I've been with his career every step of the way. I keep just end up watching movies he's in. Percy Jackson? I don't think he might have <laughs> Percy Jackson. I remember him from, from a Gamer. He was the little yes. dipshit kid from Gamer, and then Fury, of course, and an actual good movie, Perks of Being a Wallflower. He's the main character. Logan Lerman's an interesting, well, not he's not, but <laughs> no. bad choice of words on yeah. my part. But 
Uh, my relationship with him has always been kind of weird because I I was actually explaining this to my girlfriend just the other day. Uh, I referenced Bo Burnham mm. uh, because he has his Inside show. I think it I think it's a film that he made in his own home during yeah. quarantine or something. And I just had to like pause because she was like really jazzed about talking about it, and she was like, "Oh yeah, I really want to watch that." And he's made some really lovely songs. And I was just squinting at her and was like. Yeah, I don't like him. Don't like him. <laughs> she was like, "You haven't even seen his stuff." I was like, "Yeah, I don't like him." <laughs> uh, you sound so. He was. That's funny you mentioned that because Bo Burnham was on. It was uh, the green. I think it's called the Green Room. It was a short-lived. Uh, it was where comedians, like four or five comedians, would go with like an older comedian, and they would just kind of talk about their careers. But one night they had Gary Shandling, Mark Maron, and Bo Burnham, and he's like brand spanking new. And uh, it was funny to watch the report, but Mark Maron fucking hated him. Like, it was, you could just see how much he fucking hated him. Because he did a whole song and everything. I mean, are you surprised that my brother is a huge Mark Maron <laughs> I love, I love Mark Maron. He's, I love Mark Maron. I, I do too. Um, but I, I think it's just my brother and I, we both just have a little bit too much of our dad in us. So, like, anybody that good and that talented, yeah. it's like, there's something wrong with him. I don't, I, I don't like him. I also like Bo Burnham, but not as much as Mark Maron. No, that's the thing. I fully acknowledge He's very, very talented. Very talented. He seems like an incredibly nice guy. I am willfully choosing not to, listen. Not to like him. <laughs> and, okay. and to not expose myself to his works. And this, <laughs> the same kind of thing happened with Logan Lerman when he was on the come up. Mm-hmm. Was that I just kind of looked at him and I was like, yeah, I don't like this kid. Yeah. <laughs> it's well, like, oh no, he's really talented. You should totally check out his stuff. It's like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> he's not for you. He, they didn't cast him for things for you. He's, he's for yeah. other people. He got them eyes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's he's dreamy. Yeah. I get it. But in this, actually, he's kind of like... A little shit. Yeah, he's a vanilla popsicle with dreamy blue eyes. Mm-hmm. But beyond those eyes, there's not a whole lot going on. No. But, you know, it was a different time. You know, it, was, it was like the 50s, early 60s. People were more into boring, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, do you want me to do a plot summary, or do you want to do the plot summary for this uh, one? Right before we do that, I just want to say, I forgot if we mentioned it, but uh, it's directed by Josephine Decker. Oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, who, again, um, very similar to arguably our star of the film, uh, Odessa Young. Uh, not a known quantity to me. Um, in just glancing over her IMDb and her Wikipedia, uh, you'll find that she has a extensive background in performance art, mm. which I could see okay. in, in the production of the film, most certainly. Yeah. Uh, there's there's some trippy experimental stuff going on involving like dream imagery and stuff yeah. that very much feels part of that world, um, more so than like traditional mainstream cinema narrative stylings and whatnot. Um, but yeah, she has an acting, uh, performance art, and directing background, none of which I'm privy to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's a total mystery to me, um, but clearly she brought a lot of enthusiasm and some some form of perspective to this work. Because just based on the way it's shot and the way it's edited, I feel like there's an additional layer to this film that maybe I didn't get. Mm. But based on the fact that this woman hasn't taken many many films... Um, and the films that she has worked on are like super indie projects. Um, either this author, which which the story is based on, or this book again, which is based on, but not in a, not a factual representation of the author, uh, was probably very important to the director. Excellent. Uh, point is, I want to say there was some passion uh, driving driving this director. I can see that. I yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's, there's, I think there's a couple of layers that I'm not catching either. But then again, this might not be directed towards us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, plot summary, do you want to do it or do you want me to? Kyle, please. Okay, yes. <laughs> Trevor, Tre- Trevor didn't like this movie as much. I'm sorry I had to. Su- you, you were subjected to this, but this was also catching up for me, so I didn't know what to expect. I was not expecting it to be as, as art house as it was. It's a, a bit more, a little art art drama, a bit more. Well, I, I want to say the marketing is to blame for that, uh, because mm. this is most certainly an indie film. However, I seem to recall some trailers for it leaning more towards almost like like a, an A twenty four style horror thriller. I was which this more film most certainly is not. No. Um, all you have to do is read a plot summary and you'll figure that out. But based on the marketing, I could totally see somebody having the wrong image in their head going in. Last week's film and this week's film should be coupled with that gif of uh, Doctor Evil crossing his legs and going, "This is uncomfortable." <laughs> yeah, because these movies are. This one isn't as uncomfortable as last week, but there are definitely moments in this movie you're like, "Oh gosh." Pretty much any time we eat dinner. Yeah. Yeah. There's one scene in here where I'm like, "It's about to get uncomfortable," because I I know it's about to happen. Uh, but yes, this film. Um, I guess from my perspective, the plot of this film is uh, Shirley Jackson um, was a. a Horror slash thriller writer, mystery maybe mystery writer in the forties, uh, fifties, and sixties, uh, and this is her constructing her first big novel, I believe. Uh, what's it called again? Hangs a man. Hangs a man. I've got it right here. Uh, Hangs a man, and it's uh, the story follows her and her husband taking in a young couple, and we see how she puts together a story based off of a a missing hiker, basically uh, that was a part of the camp or that went to the school that her husband works at. I guess that's the best way to put this. Yeah, pretty much. It's a struggling writer, uh, finds her inspiration through kind of meddling and tormenting with the lives of others. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nice gal. Yes. (laughs) Great at parties. Oh, no, she's a dick. Her and her husband are both very strange. And first off, like, I could tell right away when we meet, when we're first introduced to the, uh, the husband, Stanley Hyman, I'm like, he is a literature professor like it's the first thing i don't know if it's just films have taught me this like just like popular culture but i'm like he is a literature professor oh i mean there's so many signals Mm -hmm. like like so many obvious visual and just like body language signals that that again like like maybe films have bashed this into our heads but it's like the texture of his home Mm -hmm. lots of wood texturing like it has like a, a rustic quality to it um he's got some sort of leaf arrangement in his hair. Mm-hmm. Um, he's very touchy feely. Very touchy feely. He, he he likes touching people's cheeks. I'll give yes. you that much. Um, <laughs> and also his vocabulary, mm-hmm. um, the way he uses language. Uh, he he dances in his language. Like yeah. he like he plays with it. Like nothing he says. Uh, brevity is not the way he ex- exhibits his his emotions and whatnot. Um, That's true. Every, everything he takes for a walk. Um, so yeah, everything about this this performance. Uh, is really well thought out in terms of like spelling out what he what he is instantly mm-hmm. like when he greets them at the door like literally like you i just assumed the same thing you did like I, di- I didn't read the plot summary going in i just hit play and then i was like oh he's a professor yeah <laughs> he is a literature or theater professor oh, or the most other. certainly yeah. he's not a mathematics <laughs> professor they don't do that yeah um i we don't necessarily have to go front to back but i'll just kind of like set it up here it's like it's a it's supposed to be like 1950 um and our young couple uh rose and fred are on a train and they is that his name freddy i think fucking it was, fred i think it was fred yeah he looks like a fred. he looks like a fred. <laughs> i mean with his hair done this way and like dressed the way he is like logan Lerman is a very handsome man but 
this performance is a Fred. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's just kind of here. He's not a... I think it's by design. Yeah. Because um, one thing that like Elizabeth Moss does have a outburst towards the end of the movie that felt a little out of character. Um, it felt maybe a little message first. Um, like, in regards to the narrative. Like, it was mm. like, oh, we're talking about this? Um, where she was talking about the like a young woman being invisible in public mm-hmm. and how crippling and how painful that can be. Um, I want to say that maybe Fred's <laughs> relationship with, with the women around him, in particular his wife, his pregnant wife, um, I want to say that that distance may have been intentional. Okay, I can see that. Yeah, and, and they also call back to it plenty of times where you can tell like their their biorhythms are not in sync. Mm-hmm. Um, and and when they do get synchronized, it's it's due to somebody putting their foot down and being like, "We are doing this." Yeah. Now. <laughs> oh yeah, she's. Oh yeah. By the way, uh, Rose is super horny throughout the whole film, which I I just like. Wow, she's really trying to get it on this whole movie. Yeah, no, she she is she is very sexually active. Uh, she's she really wants to get on that Fred uh, mm-hmm. all the time, anytime she can. Um, in fact, that's how our movie opens. Yeah, um, it was it's kind of a interesting and slightly shocking opening when you put it in context mm-hmm. because nineteen fifties you don't think of this sort of thing. I mean, yeah. I'm sure it happened probably even more than it does today. Yeah. Like, it was a different time. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like train car fucking, it was a thing. <laughs> no parents worked nights back then. Everybody worked nine to five. Yeah, yeah. It was a whole lot of fucking, like, anywhere you can get it. Yeah. <laughs> but, I can see that. But, yeah, we, we start out on a train, I believe. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, she she just finished um, Shirley, uh, is it Jackson? Shirley Jackson, yes. yes. Uh, so they're on their way uh, to live with Shirley Jackson and Stanley mm-hmm. um, because Fred works for the university and I think Rose has a gig with them as well um, a, of a different nature but the point is they're both uh, in in tight with the university and he's supposed to be an aide for Stanley mm-hmm. um, and so they have an arrangement set up where they haven't found a place to live just yet uh, so Stanley and Shirley have been kind enough to open up their home to them for a little while Like mm-hmm. it, it, I think it's just supposed to be a weekend initially I think it was um, for a little. It was. I think it was gonna be a little bit longer than a weekend. I think it was gonna be for a little while, maybe a couple months. Uh, but he is supposed to be working for him for the whole school year. I took it as he was gonna be. They were gonna be living with them for the school year. But I think you're right. It's for a little less time. They pay lip service to it, and it, it's not supposed to be as long as it ends up being. Um, but the point is, we're on this train, and uh, we see that she is just finishing reading this story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Rose has just finished reading the lottery. The lot thing, yeah. which is apparently one of Shirley's more famous short stories. Mm-hmm. Um, she's also known for, I, I think it's the Haunting of Hill House. Yes, uh, it's one of her other big ones. Um, but she has just finished reading the lottery, and her reaction to it is something that we see carried over to multiple other characters in the story, mm-hmm. uh, in the narrative presented in this film, where there's some sort of like entrancing or like magical quality to Shirley's writing Mm -hmm. where she closes this book and she's like, Fred, they stoned her to death. Spoiler alert for the lottery. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They stoned her to death. And he's like, Oh, you just finished the book. huh?" And she's like, yeah, it was amazing. And he's like, okay. So my wife is into, you know, stonings and whatnot. And yeah, she starts grabbing his crotch. She's so she's like real hot after having read about this brutal tale of a you know a community 
having a lottery to determine who gets moited. <laughs> you, I would, you would think I would have heard of her by now, Shirley Jackson. And I was went to the bookstore looking for one of her books, but I was embarrassed to ask because I, I couldn't find them. I'm like, I don't, I don't know why I was embarrassed to ask. Like, you don't know any Shirley Jackson yet? Like, you haven't read any? Uh, but I don't know what her reputation was at the time. Maybe she was like a very bizarre writer, like kind of a, a risky writer at the time. And it was just kind of crazy for that story to come out. It most certainly was. Gotcha. Um, they they do have some elements of the film where they, they point to, like, she mentions the, the community uh-huh. and, and how she's ostracized somewhat. Like, both the university and the locals, like the town, yeah. the townies, um, they they think she's strange. Mm-hmm. Um, and at one point, she even describes herself as a witch, mm-hmm. um, which probably was, you know, externally reinforced by people thinking of her that way anyway. So yeah. she's just kind of taken, like, taking it and walking with it. But, um, yeah, she, she was known for writing some risque material, some really shocking, horrific kind of shit, especially for its time. Um, but, yeah, to see Rose, this, this seemingly normal-looking young woman, like, close this book and ha- like be fucking <laughs> like sopping wet after yeah. having read it it's like okay rose is a little weird but then Twisted. it's kind of interesting because we have we have that pairing where we have fucking fred and rose who immediately the first the first impression we get of her is that she's a little different yeah um and then we're introduced to the other couple stanley and shirley who are a little different they're a little different fred's the odd man out because he's again he's a vanilla popsicle there's yeah. not a whole lot going there's not a whole lot to fred <laughs> no. no fred fred embodies what i would assume an average dude at the time was just this guy <laughs> i feel like fred and tom brady could have some really boring conversations really boring conversations what's about your, <laughs> what's your favorite smoothie with celery in it <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. Fred, <laughs> contemporary Fred, would you know post pictures of his uh, smoothies on Instagram? That'd be his thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that would be about the extent of Fred's personality. But um, yeah, she she grabs his package through his pants, and they they get to they get to fuck and oh, yeah. on the train train home. Um, but one thing about this performance, Kyle, and I'm not sure if this is the right time to bring it up. I'm curious, like, I don't know if this comes from the performer or the director. Um, and I want to say it's a combination of both, but one thing that I've I've noticed is that we have a female director, and there are s- some minor feminist themes in this in this film, um, or at least female centric theme. Mm-hmm. Um, and this performance, Odessa Young allows herself to be sh- like framed and and like the blocking of her movements, she makes herself look not great. And I'm not talking about like like images of like traditional mainstream beauty i'm talking about like body language hmm. like like she on the train she's like kind of like rocking back and forth and like caressing the window and like she has her mouth hanging open huh. with her teeth showing and it's just it it looks bad like if you just did, if you didn't know that person you saw them you could jump to conclusions and be like <laughs> it's like yeah that girl doesn't seem too bright <laughs> like just based on the way she carries herself I and there's plenty of instances of that where she's just kind of like i don't know staring off into the middle distance and in her own little world like when she's fucking with the eggs that uh, the egg let's put a pin in because yeah I, I've, I've, there's definitely a reason for the eggs in particular as a prop but even 
just her face. She's just kind of got her mouth hanging yeah. open. Looks like she's in a different dimension. There's a way that they play with the reality of because she's kind of playing two people in 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 a sense. So that was a weird moment because we have another moment with cookies that she's doing the same thing, and I'm like, okay, what? I'm not sure what we're do what we're getting at here, because uh, I think we're also kind of playing with like, I think representing sure. I think it's kind of, she's somewhat representing Shirley's um, feelings. Like I think the end, especially. We'll, we'll get to that a little bit later. Sorry, uh, I have. I wanted to talk. I wanted to talk that out a little bit because I wasn't really sure about the eggs and the cookies and the ending. So it, it feels feels some. It's kind of strange. Well, I'm playing off of you this okay. time because like folks at home, Kyle actually has like notes, a, yeah. yeah, actually has physical notes in front of him. Well, it used to be that was that was my deal. <laughs> like I used to take. Pages extensive and notes. pages and pages and pages of notes and then Kyle said cut the shit <laughs> so I just stopped it all together so this time around Kyle, Kyle is guiding this conversation I'll just play off of you yeah so uh, we get we go through town and uh, we get some weird looks from the locals I'm not really sure why uh, this is supposed to be taking place in Vermont I believe uh, I don't know if Vermont's weird but uh, Vermont <laughs> Vermont <laughs> um, and then we get to this uh, I like the house but we get to this weird party and this is where we we kind of uh, honed in on like oh this guy's an, an art uh, a lit professor so we've just got drunk, like, I think most of the adults are drunk, but I was suspecting maybe some, I don't think LSD was popular at this time. It hadn't quite been synthesized, I don't think. Um, it's the devil's lettuce. The devil's lettuce. I think we might, <laughs> might have a joint rolling around. Although we don't see any drug use. It's all, I mean, just booze. There's booze, like a lot of booze in this movie. We do see drugs, but we never see them utilized. Mm. But but we do see, like, pills on the floor at one point. Okay, yeah, we do see pills. Um, but yeah, we got this crazy party with... It looks irresponsible because it's like a bunch of adult adults. Like you, what you and I would think of as an adult. <laughs> and, and they're just like running around like drunk teenagers. Uh, we meet um, Stanley, uh, Shirley's husband. And he has on the uh, midsummer uh, like ivy crown. And he's just like <laughs> touching and hugging. And oh guys, welcome, welcome to the party. Which... It's kind of a it's a fun way to be introduced to the people that are gonna be taking care of you. Like, hey, they're laid back and cool. But that is not the case. I don't, I don't like it, Kyle. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Like, I walk into that situation, and I'm like immediately on edge. <laughs> like, well, you. I'm like, why is he touching me? <laughs> why is there touching? Well, it's, why is he so happy? <laughs> I think it's a fu- it's a fun way to break the ice. Uh, <laughs> get super drunk and, and 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 hey, guests, welcome. Um, you haven't hung out with my. My friend from work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. For rude awakening. Um, But yeah, they kind of make their way around the house. And I think Rose goes into where um, Shirley is holding court in the uh, the living room. And she's just kind of answering questions. And I thought that she was further into her career at this point. I didn't realize that this was early on. I thought this was kind of like on the down. Like she was kind of phasing out a little bit. But no, like she has just done um, the lottery and she's asking questions and you can tell she's smart um, and you get you like you get her um, character pretty quick she's just kind of an asshole like a blunt asshole basically yeah she's a blunt asshole and I think more important than that she she likes to conduct things on her own terms yes that is very important like like if she doesn't want to talk about that and you're pushing into that we're not talking about that and she's gonna let you know uh, she's like she is framed as somewhat of a manipulator, like mm-hmm. a manipulative personality type. But yeah, she really does like to conduct things on her own terms. But I really like the uh, the the framing of these initial introductory shots for Shirley. Mm-hmm. Is a uh, 
we saw Rose close the book of the lottery and we saw her reaction to it, it was immensely positive. Mm -hmm. So already we can assume that she kind of idolizes this Shirley character who we the audience are just getting to meet. Same same with her in fact. Um, and they do this really interesting thing with the framing of the shots where Rose walks into the like the parlor and there's a crowd of people standing around Shirley who's seated and all the shots from Rose's perspective have people in the foreground like shoulders mm -hmm. and like bodies just kind of like dipping in and out of her her perspective so mm -hmm. like Shirley is mostly blocked like kind of occluded by other other people's presence so there's a, a separation between the two of them and that speaks to the character herself very much so yeah uh, there there's definitely some some barriers maybe maybe invisible maybe visible but <laughs> most certainly she's putting up barriers um whether you're aware of it or not but it's just a really interesting way to introduce the character, the characters like indirectly like that. Where mm -hmm. She gets to see Shirley. She gets to see how prickly she can be. Um, prickly, th yes, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> I, th I think it was a good word choice. Yeah, but, prickly. Um, we also get to see uh, the relationship between Stanley and Shirley, mm -hmm. um, and their particular dynamic. Uh, they they just shoot barbs at each other constantly. Um, and it comes across as venomous and kind of mean, but it's softened a lot by the fact that there's a there's spectators, mm -hmm. by the fact that there's a crowd, so it makes it feel like performance. But then we see the same pattern repeat later, and it gets a little less fun. Yeah. Um, but it is really interesting seeing the dynamic play out between the two of them. How like it seems like they can't say anything genuine to each other without putting a little, just a little gut punch in there at the end. <laughs> and we'll learn that there's a good reason for that, I think, on both ends. Uh, more so her her barbs are more warranted than his, but yeah. Um, I do like uh, this exchange. Like, it makes more sense as you go along and you learn about the characters why this exchange between Rose and Shirley is like very uncomfortable. Like, she... Uh, Shirley is retiring upstairs, and she's got uh, she's got her glass and her bottle of booze. Like you can just tell, she's not she doesn't seem super social, and she's she's going off because the the night's still pretty young. People aren't black out blacked out yet. Uh, people are still drinking, and Rose stops her. I'm like immediately. I'm like this is a mistake. You can like if somebody's leaving the party, let them leave the party, and especially if it's their home. Yeah, fuck. But <laughs> this exchange she has with her, she's like hi, and uh, she's like I'm Rose, and she's like you're all the same to me. I don't like I don't give a shit I'm like damn that's really fucked up yeah, and she's like Martha Emily doesn't matter you're all the same does not matter and she's like that was strange she's like we're staying with you and she just kind of like gives her a look and then just continues upstairs says, she gets her to pause she gets Shirley to pause for just a second when she mentions that she had just read the lottery oh yes um, so it's like oh my work Ooh. we're talking about me <laughs> I like that <laughs> you're a fan of mine um, but the the big revelation that comes out here is oh, this yes. Shirley pauses for a second just gives her like she just squints at her and she's like nobody said anything about you being pregnant yeah. <laughs> and Rose is like Oh, we weren't telling anyone that. How did you know? Yeah. <laughs> she just, uh, she knew. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry, I, I have preggers written down on here. <laughs> yeah, somehow she just sussed that out. Um, and actually, we we don't actually see it, but there was a, again, interesting direction and interesting performance moment uh, on the train where uh, Rose is looking herself in the mirror post-coitus. And uh, she's just kind of gesticulating, like she's just looking at her reflection. I think what she's doing is she's holding out her arm 
uh, to like what she assumes will be her silhouette when she fills out totally. I didn't catch that, yeah. But it, it looks, again, like she kind of, you, you all right there, lady? <laughs> like, it's kind of like that kind of thing. Because like, at a distance, like if you remove the framing of the camera, like if you just walked in on a woman doing that, be like, <laughs> seriously, the doing? reaction would be like, what you doing? I'll just walk back out. <laughs> just t- yeah. back out. <laughs> I'll be outside. <laughs> you know where the weight room is? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I think we get some music. I, um, I can't remember the name of the artist. Uh, it was an old blues musician. Uh, but it didn't really fit in with the uh, the tone of the movie. And it's, it's, a, it's a weird transition. But we transition to a classroom where... Um, what's his name? Stanley is just playing this record of this uh, this old blues musician. And it seems weird because I'm like, wait, I thought he was a lit professor. I'm like, is he a music teacher? That can't be right. Um, he's a he is a lit professor, and he's conducting a class about I don't know what. He's trying to get him to think about something. Yeah, it it's like literature and folklore or something, yeah. something along. It's something very out there. Something that would most certainly be at the Evergreen State College where I went, <laughs> <laughs> where underwater basket weaving was apparently on the curriculum. Are you fucking with me right now? Underwater basket. It's a it's a running gag. I think it was a it was a program at one point. I don't think it is now. Huh. But but yeah, that's always the one that people bring up uh, in regards to Evergreen. It's important to note. Um, this was I saw the five year engagement when she's going to her first class. There's most univers like most schools that I've gone to. There is one rock star professor. There's one that everybody. There's the coolest one, and they all have it. Um, and this. Uh, Stanley seems like this university's rock star cool professor. <laughs> yeah, I, I can see that. But yeah, he, there's always got to be that one professor that has a motorcycle or yeah. something. He's the cool guy professor. Yeah, there's the cool. There's the there is the Zach Morris professor. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yes, he pulls. The, uh, they're both in class. Uh, so like as we said, uh, Fred and Rose are there. Rose, I believe, was a student and she dropped out. Yes, at, uh, but she's going to be dropping out. And Fred is I. I don't know if he is working on his dissertation or he's a postdoc. It's one of those two. Yeah, it wasn't entirely clear to me um, what the order of events was here. The point is, later on in the film, he does have a dissertation available for review. Um, I don't know if it was completed when when they get to town. It may, it may have been, actually. I think it was. I, I think, think so. Yeah. I think he was working on his dissertation and finished it. And then I, I think it's... I think it's common, maybe at the time, like you can start working before your dissertation's finished, but I'm not sure how that works between sciences and literature, like what the difference is. Yeah, I, I think we're on the same page of it, as far as things we don't know. Yeah, <laughs> but sure. point is, I, I think it was done before they got to town, but he is supposed to be working under Stanley mm-hmm. at, at this point in their relationship. Um, and very intentionally, we get a shot uh, from the podium, from, from Stanley's perspective, and it's very similar to Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, it's an entire sea of young ladies. Young ladies, like, yes. Like, very intentionally, there is not a single dude in the in view of the camera. Yeah, I picked up on that, too. That's why I was saying this is the rock star. This is the cool oh, guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yes, so and we also have to keep in mind this is 1950. Like, we are, we are on the cusp of cultural change. Like, it's about to happen. So I think that's kind of a theme in here as well. Um, but yeah, we get them pulled aside by Stanley, and he's just like, "Hey, listen, while you guys are here, 
is it cool if you guys just kind of help take care of some things? Uh, rent free, you guys can stay there rent free for as long as you need, as long as you want. But if you, maybe you could just do like some cooking and maybe kind of take care of Shirley. So Rose just gets relegated to being the the maid, basically. Yeah, I I love the the blocking of of this scene. It takes place over one shot, but uh, Michael Stuhlbarg is a gem, man. Mm-hmm. Like yes. I, I was telling Kyle before we started recording, I haven't seen a whole lot of his work, but at any time he's anytime he's on screen you're thoroughly engaged and um i've been saying it for a long time a, a serious man is a criminally underseen coen brothers film that he is the star of and he he's downplaying his performance quite a bit he's most certainly making room for everyone around him but he's fantastic in it but um this character Oof. stanley is not that character <laughs> uh, the it's so amazing how much a beard can change a person's profile yeah like just the shape and the density of his beard it fits so perfectly yeah like the way he purses his lips and the way he uses his glasses as a prop uh, he he's very intimidating actually like he's he's not a big guy by any means but the way he the way his glasses frames work they're very thick black brims and just the way he uses his glances and like he has this really intense stare and he purses his lips behind this forest of a beard that it's really it's really it intimidating. Would. No, he is now that you mentioned that like uh, him as Arnold Rothstein in Boardwalk Empire. He's the kind of guy that if you like, he's the kind of character you see him. You're like, I bet you I could take him in a fight. But he's also the character is like, I'm not even going to swing at him because he has he's he has power. Like, he just has that, that kind of presence. Like, this guy has a lot of power. I'll be dead before I even get, like, through his nose. <laughs> like, I'll be done. But uh, we just watched Men in Black 3, in which he is a main character in that movie. And he's so, like, his big dumb smile. Like, it's a completely different... I, I was like, Steph, do you recognize this actor? And she's like, no. I'm like, we just watched him last night. She's like, I have no idea who this is. I'm like, that's the little alien dude. And she's like, holy shit. I'm like, he looks so different i'm glad you pointed that out because he is intimidating in this role oh yeah no he's he's very intimidating and i'm sorry to like lock us down for so long but just this one shot was really impressive because yes he's talking to the couple he's talking to fred and rose but he's like laser focused on rose yeah. and we just came off of like two shots ago an entire sea of women that he's looking out on like this is the movie's very unsubtle way of saying that he's he's a womanizer. Yeah. And he's touchy feely with everybody, especially ladies. <laughs> especially ladies. But yeah, he's like he's like cupping her hand and like uh, there's a closeness where he leans in a little too close. Again, this guy would not work well with me. I'd be like, buddy, you got to take a step back. Like, like I, I need, I need a little room, bud. Trevor, Trevor travels around with that uh, little squirt bottle that people use for plants, and if people get too close, it just gets him right in the face. It's like, it's like a cat defense. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> just <for people laughs> Fuck off. You need that Joker flower just to just have on your shirt at all times. Get back. No, more than that, I need the hand buzzer. Yeah. <laughs> Armand got a little hot <laughs> under the collar. Um, yeah, he he's leaning in really tight, and like if I can smell your beard oil, buddy, there yeah. is a serious problem. That's but a problem. The way the blocking of this is so perfect because when he's asking, when he he's make he's going he's exasperated, he's going on and on about oh like we're not trying to treat you like a scullery maid like i don't know what it was that drove away our 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 housekeeper it may have been health problems he's just he's so dramatic about everything but the timing of him relaying all that to them making it sound like he feels so guilty and like like it's it you'd be doing us such a huge favor he doesn't get a confirmation 
And then he dips he out. Just walks away, <laughs> he yeah. just dips out. It's it's so great because it's like he he didn't get an answer either way. But now now if you have to come back to tell him no, you look like a total fucking asshole. Pretty much, yeah. Well, because he's also offering you a place to stay, free room and board, F- free room and board yeah, <laughs> as long as you want, as yeah. long as you you know do chores. I love hot food. Yes. How's your rump roast? Yes. yes. How's your rump? How's your hot food? In hot weather. Yes, I love hot food and hot weather. Like, um, fuck that! Yeah. <laughs> I hate that. I hate it. It's I don't like, want to sweat when I eat. <laughs> I worked at I worked at a restaurant that specialized in clam chowder. People would be getting like lobster bisque in the summertime. I'm like, are you, are you out of your fucking mind? You're having bisque in the heat? <laughs> oh Jesus! Even chowder. Um, but yeah, so we get back to the house and we kind of get another glimpse into Shirley. Um, Steph and I were both like, I think she's clinically depressed. Um, she's pretty wiped out from the party before and she is still in bed and i think maybe we even get a a shot of her uh with a glass in the bed i think rose looks in on her and sees her laying down there's a little glass on the bed but um stanley is not putting up with it he is getting her up out of bed yeah he does the one two three or the three two one Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna i'm gonna shimmy the car i'm gonna shimmy the sheets those are fighting words you shimmy the sheets yeah it's like if you if you Pull those sheets up. <laughs> it's like, we're going to go. <laughs> he, he has one outburst at Fred at the beginning here that I do not disagree with him. Uh, and I think that Fred was completely out of line, but I'll get to that here in a couple of minutes. Uh, we're close. Don't okay. worry. We're close. Okay. Um, but yeah, he gets her out of bed and he's just like, listen, you got to go down and have dinner. Like, you have to come downstairs and have dinner. I'm like, well, that's not going to go over well. From what I've learned of Shirley so far, she is not a social creature and I don't think she likes Rose very much. Two points. Go for it. Number one, uh, during the party, uh, during our our initial introduction to the dynamic between Stanley and Shirley, uh, Stanley shares an anecdote about having, how he met Shirley, Mm -hmm. and it involved her writing, and she was deeply unimpressed by his courtship of her, they still got married down the line, so it worked out, um, point is, he was, he was enamored with her. He thought she was a genius. Mm-hmm. And he finishes his story by saying, like, when I read that, I, I knew I was going to go out of my way to seek that person out and marry them. Mm-hmm. So what that tells me is he is madly in love with this woman, despite, you know, how, how chaotic their relationship is. Mm-hmm. When it's good, it's fantastic between the two of them. Yeah. Point is, it's, it's not that most of the time. No. Point number two was, I can't even remember. <laughs> was it, you don't have to be nice? Yes. Yes. Thank, thank you so much, Kyle. You yeah, saved me. Yeah, he says, you have to come down to dinner. I'm not saying that you have to play nice. So yes. it's like, fuck. Now she's going to, we know she's going to be a dick. Yes. Thank you so much for saving me there. <laughs> I had a feeling. That was, I was like, because I forgot to say it too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we get down to the, uh, the, the dinner table. And of course... Um, one of the first things that comes up as they're talking at the table, it's going nice, and Shirley's just like, so when are you due? Like, she basically just brings up in front of of Fred that she's pregnant, and I don't even think Fred knew at this point. Did he know? He plays it off like he did. I don't think we get confirmation. (laughs) I think because he doesn't, he doesn't really, he's like, kind of, he's like, really? I think the, now looking back, maybe the really was, you told her? Like, I think, no, she just picked up on it. Mm -hmm. Um, but what makes Rose leave the table here? Something there's something that happens here. Uh, I can't remember the specific details, but she makes it known. I'd rather not talk about that, mm-hmm. and that's like literally all they. That's all Shirley wants to talk about, <laughs> and it just goes on and on and on. It's pretty rough, and it's not aided by Stanley either. In fact, I think, um, 
a telephone rings at some point. Yes. And there's a really intense moment where nobody gets up to get it. And I'm not entirely sure what the reason for it was, um, but surely, like, like Logan Lerman actually gets up. To, he's like, well, if nobody else is going to do it, I'm going to get it. It's a ringing phone in, in the fucking 50s. The phone call is a big fucking deal. Yeah. Not every house even had one of those. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, Shirley, like, tells him no. Like says no, we're not doing that. <laughs> and she she um, she kind of scolds Stanley. I think they leave the table. And she's like, "What did I say about phone calls? You know, we have a we have an arrangement. Phone calls are not supposed to be happening during dinner." And she's like, "If it happens again, she's like, we're going to maybe reassess our agreement or something along those lines." We're not sure. It's when I was first watching, I'm like, "Wow, she's kind of a dick to him." <laughs> but as you learn more about the their dynamic. It makes more sense looking back, like, oh, this is somebody who's not supposed to be calling, we're assuming. Um, but yeah, we learn also that she, I think she mentions that she's working on a novel, but she says novella. I, there's a there's a concern here, because she's, I think she initially says um, she's working on a novel, and he's like, but you were supposed to be working on a novella, which is like 50 pages difference, I think, maybe. <laughs> um, and we also learn that she has not been out of the house in two months. Yeah, there's there's a lot that happens here. Um, mm. Was it at the dinner table that she gets her... Fr- yes, it was. She gets her first vision, um, Shirley does, mm-hmm. of what will soon become her book. Um, and it involves an exchange between her and Rose. And uh, as Kyle said, Rose, uh, Odessa Young, kind of plays kind of plays two characters kind of like only like visually representing one, yeah. uh, the, the fictional character from uh, Shirley's book. Um, like her projection of the character using Rose's face. Um, but yeah, Shirley has a vision, and it's really interesting stuff like in regards to the creative process because it's just a vision of a woman in the woods in a red coat, and her face is blurred. Mm-hmm. And so often with my own creativity, that's kind of how things are, where mm. it's just like it's 80% of a thing, but there's just like a really important detail missing. Like like I don't know what it is about my dreams, but actually people very rarely have faces. Really? I, but I still know who everyone is. Interesting. Um, but yeah, this image is just like a, a flash. Mm-hmm. And and uh, Shirley's posture, like she like sits upright a little bit and it's just her and Stanley at the table at the time because she's been a shit ass host yes. and she scared off her two guests. Um, and she just says, she just perks up and she just says, I have a title. And Stanley's like, ooh, do tell. Do tell. And it's a hangs a man. Gotcha. Uh, so this is supposed to be, like, I guess the film's way of saying this is where she, she got her initial creative juice mm-hmm. uh, to get that story right rolling. And, yeah, the conflict about the novel and the novella thing comes from the fact that yet she hasn't left the house in two months. Uh, we've seen that she has bouts of depression and anxiety and is a lump basically for days on end mm-hmm. and stanley justifiably is like do you really want to take that on <laughs> yeah um but i think what we're getting from this conversation is and what's neat about this conversation that it's a lot of code talk mm-hmm. like you can tell like there's they have their own kind of as any relate like, yeah as any couple language. have they have yeah. their own language um they're both excited though because he's he's like oh she's in a position where she's getting she's getting her her creative juices flowing again uh so he's just excited that she's doing the thing that he fell in love with her for um regardless of how it is how it is that they reach the finish line yeah 
Um, but yeah, so I think we, I have the what, mistress question mark. Is there a mistress going on here? Um, kind of, kind of getting a sense of it. Um, but we learn, we get back up to the bedroom and we learn that Rose is not happy. Obviously, uh, she just put together a dinner and then she was just embarrassed uh, immediately. So yeah, I wouldn't be very happy either. Actually, I would be like, let's go. Let's actually, let's go home. Uh, this is the outburst that I'm talking about. I think the, uh, the next day, um, they're kind of. Uh, Stanley's kind of bustling around the kitchen, and Fred is just trying to talk to him about God knows what. And, uh, and oh, I know yeah, what you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> yeah. And Stanley's just kind of like, uh huh, yeah, okay. It's first thing in the morning, and he's like, uh huh, yeah, uh huh. And uh, he just stops him. And he's like, uh, Good God, son, might I have a cup of coffee in peace? And just like, you, you're supposed to take it as like, wow, this is kind of a tense living atmosphere. And I'm like, fuck him, shut up before I have a cup of coffee. Leave me alone, like. Those those quiet minutes in the morning before I have to go go do what I have to do to make money, just leave me alone, please. Yeah, no, I I just got my girlfriend a, a coffee mug that it's just a panda like laying with its butt facing you, flipping you the bird. Mm-hmm. It just says not today. Not today. Like, just not right now. Just not first thing in the morning. Yeah. Just, let me get the co- let me get half a cup of coffee. I need a few sips just to just to just subside the caffeine withdrawals <laughs> <laughs> so that I can function today. <laughs> I'm like, he was not out of line. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, no, I, I kind of agree with you. that You could be more tactful with, with you know, that delivery, but yeah. come on, man. The guy, the guy is, he's dressed for work. He's got a full suit on. He hasn't even sat down and had his coffee yet. Not yet. Just not yet, son. <laughs> Do it on the walk to class. Exactly. The walk and talk. I love a walk and talk. He's already had his morning bowel movement. He's good to go at that point. Yeah, let's West Wing this shit. You know, I don't want to do it before my coffee. Walk shit. and talk. <laughs> That's how it's done. That's how business is done. Uh, yes, but I think the, the fellas leave for the day, and now Rose is in the house with Shirley. Um, yeah. And I'm not sure how we get to this, but I think... Um, I don't know if she's... Oh, yeah, she. I think she's spying on Shirley doing her writing. Um, she's like, she thinks she doesn't see her, but, uh, Shirley has her back to her and, uh, she knows that she's there. She's like, so you want to see what the writing process looks like? Cause we're not, I'm like, don't fucking spy on her, dude. You were going to set her off. The whole movie, this should just be called living with somebody you have to walk around eggshells around <laughs> all the time. Um, but yeah, she, uh, she takes her into, I guess, the library or the study yeah. and she's looking for, I guess, pregnancy books, but this is where she tells her I'm a witch. Yeah, this is a interesting little moment. Like, it, it feels kind of like you're walking into like a witch's den or something. Mm-hmm. Because Elizabeth Moss, like, I don't. <laughs> this is really strange to me because what we have here is a a story about two real people, where two of our principal characters are fictionalized. Mm-hmm. Um, Fred and Rose are fictional characters, um, and not only that, this film is an adaptation of a book that is about these people Mm -hmm. so there's multiple layers separating us from the reality of stanley and shirley um but what's always strange about that is the fact that these are real people with uh, presumably living relatives and i'm curious what their impression of 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 these performances might be because neither of these people are made to look particularly good no i and i was thinking like at the end of the movie, I feel like this character of Rose represents Shirley's naivete, like as a young, as a young, like a young woman going into motherhood and mm. confronting the way her husband is. Because as the story goes on, they're very similar. 
both uh, Shirley, like Shirley and Rose, and then uh, Stanley and Fred. Mm-hmm. So as the, as it goes on, I kind of read Rose's character as she was looking at herself, like this was supposed to be her. I could see that, and I think it was actually during this scene where um, Shirley tells her like motherhood comes at a price, mm-hmm. and one thing that apparently wasn't included in. I don't. I don't know if it was in the novel or or in. It's certainly not in the movie. But um, Shirley had like four kids. Yeah, and was at this time she had a child. Yeah, and was the breadwinner of the household mm-hmm. and was apparently a pretty good mom, mm-hmm. um, despite whatever you know public shenanigans she had like working with amongst her peers and whatnot. But um, for whatever reason, that's totally omitted from the film. Like the fact that she has kids mm-hmm. is never once mentioned. Um, but yeah, uh, it's during the scene where she's kind of they're rifling through the the library of of her research materials, and she's uh, she kind of floats the idea of uh, abortion, yeah. which yeah. Rose is disgusted by. <sighs> yeah, but it the way that she li- delivers that particular line suggests that she's just saying that because that's what you're supposed to say. I think it was genuine. Uh, the way she telegraphs it is like, or were you thinking the other thing? She mm. does it. Ju- she does it really well. Like you, you can barely catch it, but she's like, why would I do that? Like she's like, oh no. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she grabs some tarot cards, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and she yeah. she gets her tarot deck, and uh, every card she pulls is the hangman, mm. uh, which is fitting, being as she had previously proclaimed that the title of the book she's currently working on is Hanged Man. Hanged Man. Um, but yeah. Uh, What's his face? Uh, Fred, I think, comes home and he is fucking hammered. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he can't stand upright. Yeah, um, yeah, he is stumbling around, coming in through the door, and uh, those biorhythms that I mentioned. Uh, this is where they are deeply out of sync mm-hmm. uh, because he is stumbling in through the door, and by the way, he's supposed to be coming back from something called the Shakespeare Society. Oh, yes, the Shakespeare Society. Yeah, and he he comes in and without barely without a word. I think he was banking on her being asleep. <laughs> yeah, because uh, she's ready to go and he is not. Um, I oh, think yeah. I yeah. think we missed the Shakespeare. We forgot to mention the Shakespeare Society because we do see them. And uh, there is one noteworthy person in there, uh, Victoria Pedretti. She's like the main girl of that group. Uh, she plays one of the main characters in the Haunting of Hill House. Actually, she's like like the main character of the Haunting of Hill House, the Netflix series. Oh wow! Yeah, see, which I, is really I, good. I absolutely wouldn't have known that, but I know that that series has a fantastic reputation. It's really good. Um, I think that was the guy who ended up doing uh, Doctor Sleep. I believe you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of people were super hyped about that. Um, I should probably check that series out because I've heard nothing but amazing things about it. You're right. You're just at the right time because it's it's like pre-fall in Seattle right now, so you're. It, this is just. We're the right getting time. to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we actually we wanted to just jump back real quick. The Shakespeare Society, which appears to just be, uh, it was like a. It's not a real. It it seems like. How would you describe it? Because they're not actually doing anything. It's like six girls, and they're like playing around in a tree. And they're not. See, I, I didn't put together that that's what that was. Yeah. Um, because that, that, I was like, I don't even know what the fuck we're doing right now. <laughs> I was like, this is supposed to be the fifties. I'm like, the hippie movement is like just about around the corner. But looking back now, it makes more sense. Yeah, so Rose, after after the awkward exchange with Stanley in the lecture hall, uh, we we just follow Rose like walking in like the Red Square equivalent, I guess, mm-hmm. of, of the college and. Uh, yeah, there's just like six floozies. <laughs> <laughs> the six bimbos hanging out on a tree. And Tramps, hussies, yeah. And 
strumpets. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, uh, the camera deliberately like holds on them from Rose's perspective, and in fact, one of them like leers at her. Oh, they all get the uh, the anime giggle. <laughs> yeah, you know, mo- yeah, yeah, most certainly. But the point is, they're they're shooting a particular type of energy in yeah. her direction, and at the time, I was like, I, I, sure, it's college, I guess. <laughs> like, yeah, it was just saying like. Um, as the movie progresses, things in the beginning of the movie start to make more sense. Yes. Yeah. Um, but this that was one of those was the Shakespeare Society. But yeah, she's ready to go, and he's just like, "No, I'm I'm good," and I'm like, "Okay." Gen- generally, a, a red flag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because um, I mean, it's not like she's doing like a touch on the shoulder, or like a nudge. It's like she's trying to grab his dick. <laughs> yeah, she's being pretty aggro about it. Pretty straightforward. And there are ways. That there are ways to get things done that don't involve a whole lot of effort on the part of both parties. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can just hang out, bud. Like, <laughs> like think things will get there. <laughs> like she's really not asking a whole lot, and yet you're denying. Um, I think it's where she goes downstairs. I think she hears something downstairs, and uh, this is Shirley uh, going through the fridge. Yeah, this was this was neat. Um, mm-hmm. So they, I think they mutually have nightmares. Um, and we visually get to see roses, and we verbally uh, get Shirley's relayed to us, and it was really cool. Uh, so this is where the performance art background of our director probably comes in, because Rose's vision, I think, involved like Shirley standing in the woods, and she has like floodlights blasted onto her. Mm-hmm. No special effects or anything, just simple arrangement of props and lighting. It's just her standing in front of a desk and like throwing everything off of it Mm -hmm. and then the reverse angle is the shakespeare society women like all kind of like looking on at her in awe and i think i think there's some other strange imagery in there as well nothing too out like otherworldly or anything but just strange stuff but then shirley's dream was a mud coming out of the fridge and she's like perched up in she's like in the fridge yeah like she's got her head dipped into the fridge and she's just staring into it and she she tells Rose when she comes into the kitchen, like I saw mud coming out of the fridge and uh, worms coming out of the crisper. It's like that's a word we don't use anymore. Crisper, I still use crisper actually. <laughs> the crisper in the ice box, not the refrigerator. This is an ice uh, box. Yeah. The ice box. Like I, I think that's like a it's it's like a East Coast thing or something. Like like. I, I can't recall anyone out here saying that. Well, it's like an actual box shape. Like the yeah. refrigerator is like an actual like. Yeah. 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 The ice box. Yeah, it's an actual ice box. <laughs> In the crisper. Um, but I like the I love the breakfast the little breakfast bench that they have because yes. there's just like st- like stacks of papers and books uh, on yeah, either but side. Bob Burnham has one of those. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, man, a lot of hate for him. Um, but this is where we get like a discussion where she's like, "Yeah, Fred made me drop out of uh, school," and she's like, "Oh, he made you?" Mm-hmm. Like, kind of uh, like pinpointing that Fred's a little bit controlling, and we get a sense that. Would you say that Stanley is controlling? Because I don't really, f- I don't think controlling is the word that I would use to describe him as far as his relationship with Shirley. She doesn't seem like she can be controlled. No, I, actually, I wouldn't describe Stanley as controlling at all. I, I think he kind of lays it out to us um, in one of the more intense dinner sequences, mm-hmm. uh, where he 
he has an intolerance for mediocrity, as he puts it. Uh, yes, I, I have, I have the, the quote written down. I can't remember where it's at. Though. It is quite the verbal dressing down. It is, uh, yeah. It, it is a verbal dismantling of a human being, which apparently uh, that Nicolas Cage uh, pig movie has one of, like, a very stellar example of that. Um, something that's something to look forward to whenever I get to see that movie. But um, yeah, he has an intolerance for mediocrity. Mm-hmm. And again, the reason why he's with the woman he's with is because he thinks of her writing as brilliant. Yeah, he called uh, Fred's writing terrifically competent, which is unacceptable. And I think what Stanley views himself as is he he has his theatrical public persona and whatnot, and he, he has his own shenanigans he gets himself into. But at the end of the day, I think his greatest source of pride and joy comes from fostering her talent, mm-hmm. his, his wife's talent, his wife who he often neglects in other ways. At the end of the day, he just wants her to to be a good writer he's yeah he's fallen in love with the artist exactly yeah yeah and he's willing to put up with a lot a lot (laughs) as we'll see well so is she as we'll see no they're they're a very strange pairing but you know this is this is a subject that seems to be increasingly a more uh, common topic for for film in particular to cover is the uh, the unconventional relationships that Mm -hmm. that somehow find a way to work <laughs> well people are different so yeah people uh, are different people are and different. there's you know there's plenty of weirdos out there living in plain sight and you know if it works for them it works for them you can't judge them for it yeah uh this was a good bonding moment between the two because the next scene is uh i believe uh, shirley asks rose she's like can you run an errand for me and she's like i'm not supposed to leave you alone she's like well fuck forget it <laughs> she's like i'm not supposed to like uh stanley said i'm not supposed to leave you alone but she's like, I just need you to run an errand. So you can go with me. She's like, no, run the errand for me. And we, she doesn't tell her what we don't. We don't know what the errand is right away. Uh, but she, we see her in a like a waiting room, like a, a hospital waiting room, and uh, she starts rifling through records. And she stops really quick when she hears the nurse coming. And I guess she's just getting like her just her checkup or whatever it is. So she just needed to go to there. Um, but then she goes to the post office and she meets. Robert Wool. Robert Wool. Arliss. <laughs> she meets fucking Knox. Knox. Who is this loss? <laughs> the best description of Robert Wool that ever was. Loss? Who is this? Oh, uh, what is um? What's uh, Vicky? Is it Vicky Vale? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Vic. Uh. <laughs> um. So he yeah. Must be king of the Wicker people. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, I was so surprised to see him. Yeah, I was like, I saw him in the in the cat like in the cast. And like, oh, Robert Wool's in it's here. It's because he doesn't look like Robert Wool as much anymore. No, it was unrecognizable. But his in the movie. his speech pattern, I was like, oh yeah, that's Arliss. <laughs> yeah. So uh, she grabs some books from the library. She talks to the dean's wife before this. I forgot. Um, and the the dean's wife kind of asks her some questions, like, "What's it like living with that nutcase?" She's like, "She's not a nutcase. She's like super busy." Yeah, that plays into, I think, what Shirley had told her about the community um, and and just the her public profile. Yeah. Like, people generally look down on her. They think she's a weirdo because she writes about horrific shit. Um, and we see even her peers, even the woman at the university is, like, talking all sorts of shit. And then to really throw some salt on the wound, like Rose is trying to be, you know, generally dismissive of it being like, no, she works hard. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. But then the lady comes back with like, oh, like I get all my info direct from Stan. Like, mm. it's like, so one, why are you talking to Stan? 
And two, why is Stan talking so much shit? <laughs> yeah, I didn't catch her say Stan. I, I for some reason, I thought it was the D. I thought her husband. I no, she says Stanley. Stanley, yeah. gotcha. And Rose is like, oh shit, Stanley's a, he's a shit stirrer. <laughs> um, but then she goes to the post office and she starts asking Robert Wool questions. And she's like, um, how often do you give college girls lifts in your uh, uh, your vehicle? And he's like, I don't think I like your question. Mm-hmm. Um, she's like. Uh, I guess she's alluding to the girl that went missing, and he answers a few questions about that. Yeah, the the girl who went with missing is a a constant, like spectral presence throughout the film. Like mm-hmm. they're they're basically this character that is unknown to anyone in the story, mm-hmm. but is key to Shirley's writing. Like this is the character that Shirley is trying to imagine and craft, and she's kind of using Rose as like a guide stick to mm-hmm. to craft like find this person's shape find their silhouette um and yeah she's using rose to do some detective work because uh shirley has a little bit of agoraphobia Mm -hmm. um and i did a little bit of research like you know two minutes (laughs) (laughs) um and apparently the real the real author uh suffered from anxiety and depression um in a era where we weren't especially good about handling that kind of stuff um she also had colitis um, which made it the intestinal kind of stuff. Oh, gotcha. Like, um, and uh, it made it physically difficult for her to get around anyway. Gotcha. So she was in a lot of pain all the time. Um, she was on barbiturates and any number of prescription drugs as well. Mm. Um, and she, I, I think she did have a, a stretch where she was abusing that sort of stuff. But the, pro- the point is she had a lot of health problems that reinforced her agoraphobia. Where it's like going out was a big production for her gotcha um so yeah this is where we find out that the girl that went missing from campus uh had a miscarriage and she's kind of like piecing this together she's like so she had a miscarriage she went to the doctor and then a week later she goes missing and she's just trying to put it together she's like thinking about what the story would be and she's like maybe she was gonna meet she couldn't meet the guy on campus so she was meeting him out like off campus somewhere why was she meeting him off campus because it's somebody recognizable, somebody that they would recognize on campus, yeah. an authority figure. Somebody they would trust and actually want to, you know, go out with, like yeah. be, be with. Um, it's interesting because the miscarriage thing, I don't know if it was ever confirmed. It, it was just, I think she just was thinking of it in terms of crafting her story. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, this seems plausible and it works for the story, so we're just going to go with that. So yeah. what, what's kind of interesting is we're not legitimately doing detective work. Mm-hmm. We're writing a book. <laughs> yeah, she's using a little bit of detective work to get inspiration yeah, for the book. Yeah, exactly. It's it's interesting to, yeah. to see that process where it's like, no, I'm not trying to solve this mystery. <laughs> uh, but yeah, then we get the bathroom, the bathtub scene, which is again like a. I think this is where we put Rose's face onto the girl that she's con- like the the story that she's constructing. I think this is where we get that first that first flash of that yeah we get a lot of hazy imagery of again a woman in a red coat but now explicitly bearing rose's face um and her following some man in the in the woods Mm -hmm. in some some wilderness trail uh and yeah all of this imagery this vision hits shirley when she's in the bathtub smoking by the way, Kyle, a lot of smoking, a lot of drinking in this movie. A little smoking, a little drinking. Yeah, uh, is, there, is there a particular drink you would associate with this movie? This is Scotch. This is Scotch and Rocks. Gotcha. This is, this is <laughs> they're, they're a Scotch household, very much. Yeah, it was kind of, 
interesting seeing uh maybe it was the style at the time uh rose really throws him back mm-hmm. in this movie <laughs> smokes a lot too yeah oh that's what i was like she's pregnant i'm like it's the 50s like, yeah yeah i don't think they knew about that nor gave a shit no i mean that's what Mad Men starts on is like do you know they're saying that smoking is unhealthy and they're like we they haven't proved that so like 1950 in 1950s like that's no that's totally fine. no it was not a thing but it it's shocking like to say the least to see you know rose just throwing throwing back drinks and constantly being offered drinks and yeah. stuff um but yeah shirley has a smoking habit um i did like uh when she's in bed like almost comatose mm-hmm. um, when stanley's trying to get her out he he kind of tempts her with a cigarette but he puts it in her mouth and lights it and she doesn't move mm-hmm. she smokes it and it, like it comes dangerously close to burning her own arm i wonder if that was a that was an acting choice I don't know, but it looked legitimately dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of uh, the beginning of Inglorious Bastards. I always noticed this when I watched it. Uh, Monsieur La Petite, when he's lighting his uh, when he's lighting his pipe, uh, the match goes all the way down to it. Like the fire goes all the way down to his fingers. He doesn't react to it. But if you watch it, the match is literally burnt, almost burnt out completely, and it gets to his fingers, and he waves it out. So I took that as like he's so nervous and f- like focused on the conversation that he's not even noticing that the flame is about is about to get burnt basically. I could see that, and you know that's if you're using like effects or makeup or something, you just put like a some sort of layer yeah. of wax or something on yeah. your fingers or something. It's not too hard to do. I mean, for fuck's sake, Gary Busey, Mr. Joshua. Yeah, <laughs> he had his his arm thing with the lighter. Oh yeah, probably. <laughs> Mr. Joshua. Um, uh, but yeah. Um, yeah, Shirley has her vision in the tub and a very graphic imagery of a miscarriage. Yes. Very bloody, very gruesome. Um, and it's just a, a woman. We don't even see who it is, but yeah. it's obviously the character she's crafting in her head for Hangs a Man. Um, but then the I think the final part of this vision is uh, Rose or the character. I'm not sure which it's supposed to be in the tub with Shirley. Mm-hmm. And... The, that water line was making me nervous, man. It was. I was like, yeah. I was like that's gonna mold. <laughs> like, if that gets on the floor, that's gonna be a problem. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta have some black mold in there. It's 1950. People don't care. <laughs> <Not either. laughs> um, um, but I think she wakes up on the tile after that, right? She does. Yeah. Face down on the tile. Yeah. Oof. I think she mixed some some booze with some some lewds. We we saw some blue pills mm-hmm. uh, get scattered on the floor in her study um, when Rose was poking around in there. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure she's she's getting high in yeah. the tub. It's <laughs> dangerous, especially with Quaaludes. In the fucking tub, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um there I have notes above here, but we've definitely uh, talked about uh, them having an open marriage. Uh, and it was not a obviously not a two-way street, but also it was not um I don't really think that Shirley wanted the, the. I guess it was a topic of conversation. Like she didn't really want an open marriage, but he was insisting that they have an open marriage. This was according to Wikipedia, by the way. Yeah, that, I mean, I read the same thing as you. It sounded like uh, maybe they made it work. Yeah. Um, but that that's how it was. Uh, he was fucking around on the side. She most certainly was not. Um, also, the the bisexual element of yes. the story apparently is not confirmed. It's, okay. It has been implied in like across some of her writing, and it's it's thought of. It's a theory, but it's never been confirmed. And honestly, as far as the movie's concerned, it's barely there. Like, yeah, it, it, it comes and goes. It, it's just. It's just there. It, it doesn't really detract or add anything, honestly. Um, and then also, I read on Wikipedia that he controlled the finances. Oh. Um, yeah. 
that was something that he did control. That's surprising. I mean, given her mental state from time to time, I could see that being a problem, especially when you have deadlines, mm. <laughs> like, you know, monthly payments and whatnot. I could see that being a problem. But uh, the other thing about that, the other side of that, is that she was the principal breadwinner of the household. So mm. that, that's a little strange. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, then we get this weird scene. I call it Creep Fest with uh, Stanley and Ro- Rose uh, in, the, in the kitchen. Yeah, it's not the first one. Yeah, not <laughs> um, the first. Um, he, like I said, he's very touchy feely. I like, I really like the decision to have him uh, during that morning when he was yelling about his coffee. He just like inhales his his eggs and toast, mm-hmm. and he approaches Rose, who's just like washing dishes in the sink. And again, acting decision. He stands way too close to her. He's got this big bushy beard. And it's got like egg matter in it, and he comes in for a kiss. And uh, usually he hits the cheek, but a couple of times in this movie he hits her smack on the lips. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah, he, he's a he's a big old creeper. And what Kyle's describing here is Rose has had multiple instances at this point of sexual frustration between her and Fred, and just a presence approaches her from behind in the kitchen and like nestles uh in that that nook between your your neck and your your delt the part of the neck reserved for lovers exactly for lovers lovers (laughs) um yeah i I would i would imagine stanley uses that word a lot (laughs) um but yeah it turns out it's stanley not fred and she turns around she's like whoa Whoa. (laughs) well hello there (laughs) yeah um and she's like, oh, yeah, dinner will be ready soon. I was like, well, Fred is not going to be coming home tonight, and Shirley's not feeling well, so it'll just be the two of us. So now he's making moves on her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think she manages to escape that fate of having a solo dinner with Stanley. But, um, yeah, that, that was genuinely, like, a very uncomfortable. <laughs> very uncomfortable. <laughs> um, but, yeah, this, this next scene we get in the woods uh, with the mushrooms yeah uh, so i think yes what happens is it's supposed to be just her and stanley and then he keeps writing off shirley as like a not anything to worry about she's she's out she's upstairs she's refusing to come down and oh like actually rose tries to bail herself out by saying oh i can fix her a plate Mm. so she's like anything to get away from this fucking anything um but then shirley comes down of her own accord and stanley is in a mood they're both in a mood and i believe what happens here is stanley excuses himself and he says i'm going to the university uh to basically go bang the dean's wife or something Mm -hmm. and shirley knows what that means we the viewer and rose by extension are a little like why is that so upsetting but she starts like throwing kitchen utensils on the floor and we we just like pan over to it's not even like a cut we just like pan over to rose and she's like uh what (laughs) what happened here um but yeah uh shirley runs off into the the woods which good for her she got out of the house yeah that's a rarity and then yeah this was a very strange exchange between the two of them where shirley's futzing with some uh mushrooms on a tree stump and she declares that the one she has in her hand is a death cap mushroom, mm-hmm. and it's it's fatal to anyone who eats it. And she's kind of like teasing Rose with it, saying, "Oh, we should totally eat these." And it's like that doesn't sound like a good idea, especially considering what you just told me. And then Shirley 
just pops it into her mouth and rose is like demanding she spit it out and then shirley just starts laughing like like a child yeah, <laughs> she's like i'm just kidding it was an oyster mushroom this is the yeah the, the one that looks a lot like it that's right next to it will kill you <laughs> uh yeah it was just a weird uh weird exchange between the two of them yeah kyle and i are not doing a very good job of explaining exactly how this plays out in fact so much of this movie is communicated strictly visually yeah just just with framing and camera movement kyle described this movie with like the perfect word earlier before we started recording he said he said the word wavy yeah and what he's referring to there is the cinematography because a lot of this is very handheld and it has uh very tight framing a lot of times a lot of Mm -hmm. faces yeah not even the whole face just like cameras jammed up in people's faces and not only that we have this depth of field effect where all you get all in terms of visual information is just the face everything else is totally blurred Mm -hmm. um and yeah it results in something that i would characterize as wavy wavy it is a little bit um i don't know it's it's not trippy but it's a little bit dreamlike yeah um yeah it's it's art house. I, I, call, I want to call it art house uh, framing. It, it's art house in that way where everybody looks like they stink just a little bit. Yeah. Like everybody just looks a little greasy and a little smelly. But yeah. n- but not in that Michael Bay kind of way. Like like in the naturalistic kind of way where it's like, oh, they don't wear a whole lot of deodorant, do they? Did you want to chat <laughs> about the lighting a little bit? Please. Whatever you feel like. Um, I found it interesting that her workspace... Like I like... Unfortunately, um, I have a basement apartment, so I don't have any natural light coming into my apartment whatsoever but this house is dark like there's when we introduce the house there's quite a bit of ivy growing on the side of the house and even like on the rooms like their uh rose and fred's bedroom is like completely covered with ivy so you can't even see out the window but her workspace is very very dark like she has a window above her desk but there's like a it's like the shades are drawn a little bit she's got plants and a lamp like it's just a super dark work workspace but uh, I like the, I kind of like the natural lighting in the, it reminded me a little bit of Mother, like where you feel like you're actually in the house with the lighting and it's not overlit. Yeah, it has a very naturalistic quality to it. <clears throat> a lot of like amber hues and whatnot. It, it feels like you're like in a cottage in the woods or mm-hmm. something. Um, it, and yeah, there's a lot of wood texturing as well. Um, and yeah, the, the lighting is, is very seldom loud. Mm. only in some of those those dream sequences yeah the dream sequences it's It's something completely different yeah that's an entirely different beast but um on the whole it's a very very handsome movie but the the point i'm trying to stress here is that kyle and i are are centering around like plot details and 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 elements of the script and whatnot but really the experience i think is mostly visual yeah almost it's it's mostly based on shots and body language performance which Mm -hmm. again director has performance art uh, background so that is probably something they valued uh, in the performances of their actors and there's there's a lot that is not expressed verbally in this movie i guess is what i'm trying to get at it's actually the, like the first time i've seen this actor um michael stuhlberg in a, a role like this where he's very animated like in boardwalk empire he's a boss so he's just any of all of his scenes are just dialogue and he's just kind of sitting there um, this is the first time I've seen him. Like he's really animated in this movie. Like he's moving around, uh, hugging, kissing. Uh, we're about to see. This was a really uncomfortable scene coming up. Uh, the thing that's uh, the the dissertation talk, uh, which is pretty fun. But there was this little scene after the mushrooms where Rose and Fred are having a conversation, and this is where we kind of get the sense that Fred's a bit controlling. 
Because he tell he's like forbidding her from doing something, but I can't remember what it was. Um, it was after the mushrooms, uh, before we get to um, the dissertation talk. Hmm. I can't remember what it was, but he's just like, you're not doing that. Like he's trying to keep her from doing something. Well, I do remember they had a disagreement at one point where she was very early on. She was adamant about leaving the house. Like she didn't want to be there because Shirley was menacing her. Um, but I can't remember what the exchange was here. I, I remember what comes after the dissertation talk yeah. um, where the roles are reversed. Yeah, there. she wants to stay. He wants to leave. Yeah, but I'm I'm actually struggling to find that. So that, I guess that's going to be on the cutting room floor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yes, this is where we get to, I think maybe, yeah, this is where uh, like Stanley is speaking with Shirley in the other room. But this is where we have the scene of, uh, it looks like Rose is making something, but she's rolling eggs. She's like rolled like half a dozen eggs off the table onto the floor. Yeah, uh, we have a family story about that. Um, oh. Apparently my brother was caught doing that as a very small child, and my mom just like ran into the room and was like, What the fuck are you doing, you stupid piece of shit? Yeah. <laughs> it was like that episode of Seinfeld where, you know, the kid learns the F word from Jerry. Wow. <laughs> so, it's like, those are free range, motherfuckers. <laughs> That's six ninety nine a does. But yeah, to this day, it's just one of those those weird family stories where it's like, Nobody knows why that happened. Well, it's fun. I, I can see that. Yeah, as you're a kid, they just, oh, it explodes. It makes a mess. I, I guess, but um, the the reveal of this is really interesting, though, because it's her watching uh, Fred and Stanley go out, go at it outside. And again, we have that perspective cinematography where it's first person, and we get a view of this really heated conversation through a series of barriers, like through the curtains, through the window, and they're out on the porch outside. But then she's making her derp face, and she's rolling this egg back and forth, and as we're cutting back and forth, we get this full reveal in stages where she's kind of off in her own little world, she's slightly amused by the conversation going outside, she's rolling an egg, but then we then she knocks the egg off the counter, and the big reveal is that there's a pile of eggs. Mm -hmm. So she's been at it for a little while and has not bothered, has not found anything odd about this. What, what were they arguing about? I didn't catch it. Uh, Fred was wanting Stanley to review his dissertation. Okay, that's what it was. And he was flat out saying, fuck you, no. <laughs> like, he was just saying no. It's a dissertation. It's fucking long. Yeah, and from Stanley's perspective, which, you know, it's it's entire, it's very difficult to, to see from his perspective because he does come across as kind of an ass. Yes. Um, he's, he feels that Fred is entitled and is asking for too much. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's what he tells Shirley right after this. But um, the egg stuff was fascinating because, like, egg imagery, w pregnant woman. Yeah. There, there, there's a lot of explicit theming going on here. But I I didn't keep track of it like a hundred percent, so I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe there was more to that in addition to the themes because she does use "I'm out of eggs" as an like she does try to use that as like a flimsy excuse to do something later. Um, um, but I, I don't know. I well, didn't. I didn't really keep my eye on it too hard. Something happens. Um, something happens at the party where she sees the, the book version of Rose, like the the character version of Rose, throwing cookies onto the floor. Yeah. So, um, and that was something that Shirley was toying around with with the character already. So maybe maybe it's also symbolic of like Rose kind of like slipping into this character as well, like inadvertently or something. Possibly. 
Interesting. I mean, towards towards the end of the, like at the very end of the story, it's like I don't know if Rose is okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a specific shot that uh, comes up at the end that I want to talk about. But um, yeah, so uh, Stanley, resi- this is where we talk. Uh, Stanley resents Fred. He's like he didn't earn anything. He's just a fucking rich kid. He didn't he didn't earn anything. Uh, he does not want to read his dissertation. I mean, by the way, yeah, she is showing at this point. So yeah. she is. Uh, we can see her little pregnant belly. Um, but yes, so Fred is actually teaching a class, um, and he does the same thing that Professor uh, Hyman does, is he starts with a song. Um, and I've never seen, I've never been there for a professor's first class. I've always wanted to, just to see what that's like. Yeah. Um, I've definitely had a class where it was like, it was a new professor, like an associate professor, and it was like their second semester, second quarter teaching, but I've never been in that first class. I really want to see it someday. Um I'll probably see it when uh, my when my partner she teaches her first class. I'll definitely be there for her oh, first class. Oh yeah, that, that'll be fun. That'll be fun. You're, you're, you're gonna oh, yeah. you're gonna make it real hard on her. <laughs> we gonna go to the syllabus. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's oh, doing. You the... should you should do the Raiders of the Lost Ark. And the, the, I love yeah yeah the love you on your eyelids. I just told her about that. I'm like, do you remember that in Raiders? <laughs> you should, well, you. you need to do that. Yeah, I love you. <laughs> Sit up front. <laughs> love you. I love you. Um. But yes, uh, so he teaches the class, and you don't really get, like, uh, Stan... You don't really get a sense, because you see just Stanley kind of almost... Who's out of focus? Like, they're, like, almost equally... So, the way this plays out is, uh, I believe, initially, uh, we get a clear look at Fred while he's playing the music and starting his spiel and whatnot, and then the, the focus shifts in the same shot mm-hmm. uh, to Stanley who is crammed into the, the right side of the frame it's just like him in profile like, yeah you can tell obs- it's observing him. from a distance and that beard is unmistakable yeah um, and almost the entirety of it is just Stanley's reaction to it from a great distance again separated by some form of barrier um, in the form of physical distance um, and his face is unreadable Mm. And nothing about Fred's lecture, at least the opening part of it, is impressive. Um, so I, it's he's entirely unreadable at that point. But um, directly preceding that, when he's stomping around the bedroom, you know, yelling about the kid being entitled and him not wanting to read the dissertation, surely suggests that I think she uses the phrase, um, "Why don't you give him enough rope to hang himself with?" Mm-hmm. As in, as in, like, give him the opportunity and see how he fucks it up. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, so I guess that that explains how we get to that stage where where Fred is advancing in his career, like at the whim of, of Stanley. But um, we do a hard cut from that to their their homecoming, and my God, Stanley is well. Michael Stuhlbarg is as animated as I. I presume you'll ever see him. It's like Tevya. Like he Yes, very much so. He's doing if I were a rich man. Like yes. he's jumping around like crazy. Yeah, he's singing, he's dancing. He has he has to dance with everyone in the room, yes. whether you want it or not. And it's like again, buddy, you <laughs> not <laughs> Shirley's not having it and Rose is not having it either. But Ro actually Rose does like, Hey, I'm pregnant, let's be careful. But she kinda giggles and, and dances with him, and this is where he drops her down and gives her a big old smooch yeah he dips her and he gives her a big old smooch and then immediately after uh, her boring husband offers her a cocktail <laughs> a cocktail for your pregnant belly 
<laughs> yes. Um, Cut to dinner. I'm like, this is not going to go the way that uh, Fred wants it to. Oh yeah, that was way too happy. That yeah. that was way too much merriment. We can't, we can't have that in this household. <laughs> not not with Elizabeth Moss making that fucking face this whole movie. <laughs> the mood will drop eventually. It's going to drop. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Fred. Uh, they're sitting at the table and. Um, I get and Stan or Stanley's like still really upbeat and like chomping his food and uh, I read it twice. Yeah. <laughs> and Fred is just like, uh, well, well, how would you describe it? Put it into just a word or a few words. And he's like, oh, how how would I describe it? And I'm like, this is not. He is gonna explode here. He's just like derivative. And I'm guessing that's not what you want to hear uh, from a dissertation. Well, I mean, as he puts it, I mean, it's it's a dissertation. As he puts it, I put years and hours and hours and hours of research into that. Yeah. And Michael Stuhlbarg, a.k.a. Stanley's retort is that you did the work, you did the research, but you brought nothing to it. Yeah. You you put together a thing fabricated from the works. So you, you, you put it on a plastic lunchbox and you're selling it. You're selling, selling it. it. You, you stood on the backs of others. And basically, he's saying it lacks originality. There's there's no contribution that comes from it. It's just a recycling of of other people's work. Which might be difficult. And like I know with like with sciences, like yeah, dissertation, you're you're bringing something new to the science community. But yeah, what can you bring new to the literature community? Or I don't even know what he did his dissertation on. That academia is its own. <laughs> it's its own it's fucking thing. It's its own fucking beast. Yeah. Um, but I'd, I always thought it was interesting that, like, say what you will about the movie, but um, a, a Beautiful Mind, mm. um, the I think it was the Nobel Peace Prize. Uh, was it John Nash? I think uh, that sounds right. Um, Russell Crowe's character, um, when he's doing his acceptance speech, I think all he says he wanted to do with his entire body of work was have an original idea. Have an original idea and, in mathematics. Well, a truly original idea is is incredibly hard to come by. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we said earlier about Stanley's character, uh, this is where he has his tirade about mediocrity. Uh, yeah. he, has, he has absolutely no tolerance for the concept of mediocrity. And if it was straight up lazy and bad, it would have at least been entertaining. <laughs> like, like it would have been frustrating. Therefore, he would have had a visceral reaction to it. Mm-hmm. But as it currently exists, as this dissertation from Fred currently exists, he just has nothing. He, he gets nothing from it. So Ter- it's it's worse than boring. Terrifically competent. Ter- yes. Terrifically competent. Now, th- this is a, a verbal just dismantling this Mm -hmm. is a tongue lashing yes if ever there was one i mean yeah and that's really bad considering he spent years on this and this guy is just like yeah you fucking suck dude like this is shit yeah and it's it it really hurts it 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 softened a little bit by the fact that it's fucking fred and i'm not especially emotionally attached to him or Logan Lerman. nobody is Um, but yeah, so this is where we get the scene where Fred wants to leave and Shirley's like, or not Shirley, uh, Rose wants to stay. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, it, Fred's not too happy about that, obviously. Um, but next we get that Shirley is going to go to the faculty party and it's a very big deal. Yeah. Uh, she really wants to go. Stanley really doesn't want her to go. He's trying to give her every, oppor- every opportunity to get out of it. And she tells him point blank, she's like, I am going to that party. Yeah. And his... His argument is that, you know, in her own words, the, the party that the movie begins with wiped her out for months. Yeah. Like, like clearly this is incredibly taxing, and you're in the middle of writing a book, which, by the way, um, an important point that we haven't been stressing uh, is he, 
he he he's a helicopter parent. <laughs> um, he desperately wants to read her work as it's being churned out, mm-hmm. and she's denying him this. Well, I can understand. He's a I mean he's a critic. He's a literary critic, and I don't know how much writing he did himself because um, he even. I think uh, during that table, this the derivative, he's like, well, how? what do you think of your work? He's like, people think that my work is fine. Uh, but No, actually, he's he's very honest about that. He's like, they can think what they want, basically. Yeah. He's just like, that very well maybe. Yeah. I haven't heard about that. It was actually like a very measured, very honest response where he doesn't, he doesn't argue. He doesn't push back. He's just like, that may be the case. Anyway, your but problems. I, your problems. Oh, <laughs> uh, where were we at? Just... Um, but yeah, she she wants to go to the party. Yeah. Do we get a? Do we get the the weird sex, or was is, is that after the weird sex? Uh, uh, it's where it's where Fred wants to. He wants to yeah. go. Yeah, and, and she's this just time, like, no. this time Rose is like, no, I'm sleeping. Yeah, and, and then it's like, okay, okay. And she keep, <laughs> he keeps doing it, keeps doing it. And then she's like, "All right, fine." No, it's funny because it's it's this is where again biorhythms they're really not on the same page, and you know mm-hmm. this is one of those things you can you can figure that out, you can meet each other halfway, but I guess this is one way of going about it. But he's he's just like, Aah. yeah, <laughs> he's, he's really like, pawing at the yeah, door. Yeah, he's he's just, <laughs> he, he wants to go out so bad, and she's like, "No, I'm sleeping," and you know. Usually that's it. That's the end of the discussion. It's like, oh, you're sleeping. You're clearly not because the lights are still on. <laughs> it's like, I'm, I'm going to read a book. I'm going to read a book. <laughs> I'm just going to try to take my mind off of things. It's 1950s. House doesn't have a TV. I guess I'm reading a book. Yeah. Huh. rump. I get to read to bed. Yeah, but she's clearly not sleeping. But then she just like reaches over and she slaps the book out of his hand. Yeah. And then she mounts him. And yeah. then he tries to he tries to assert himself, and she's like, "No, nope." And he tries again. She's like, "No," and then they they bang. And they bang. Yeah. <laughs> so they figure it out. <laughs> I can't remember when that's placed in the movie. I think it's around that time. But it was an interesting moment. It was either that or the control, like the one that we didn't know what they were arguing about, and he's like trying to be controlling. It was one of those two scenes. It's, 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 yeah. yeah. There's matter. a lot of bedroom scenes between the two of them. Sometimes they do stuff. More often than not, they don't. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you? Th- I have in my notes. So they go grow. They go uh, dress shopping, and uh, Shirley has a little bit of trouble getting the dress on. Uh, she- Shirley has a lot of trouble getting to the car. Yeah, she does have a lot of trouble getting to the car. Um, but, By the way, Kyle, I, I don't remember the name of it, but there was a, I think it may have been a TV movie starring Patrick Stewart. Uh, it's Safe House. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another Safe House movie starring Ryan Reynolds and Denzel Washington that is quite good. It's a good spy thriller in mm-hmm. South Africa. Okay. Very cool setting. Fantastic fist fight between Ryan Reynolds and Joel Kinnaman. Mm-hmm. Uh, the two of them, they committed. Like, they take some, you can't fake this shit kind of bumps. Like, mm-hmm. like solid work gotcha um, anyway there's another safe house movie starring patrick stewart that if memory serves it's about like a retired spy patrick stewart and he has agoraphobia so he made he made his home into a fortress because retired spy yeah and i think that the narrative is that his family doesn't know he was a spy and they don't believe he was a spy so they just think he's a crazy security oriented old man hmm and if memory serves, there's this part where he goes to get the paper from his his like front walkway, 
and he wears a bomb diffusal suit <laughs> <laughs> because that that's the movie's interpretation of what agoraphobia looks like. Yeah. But I'll never forget that because that was where I learned that word because I was a little kid when this came out. Gotcha. Um, I learned it from Copycat. We all we all learn our words somewhere. Yeah. And uh, you, I spent a lot of time parked in front of that television. I learned a lot of fucking vocabulary <laughs> words from movies. Copycat. Wow. Copycat. I, I've seen that. Um, it's, I I remember listening to a podcast about it, and like the whole movie kind of like came back because mm-hmm. I hadn't thought of it in so long, and I was like, "Holy shit, copycat!" copycat. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've seen that. Was it. the one where Harry Connick was a crazy guy, right? Yeah, he was really weird in that. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, she they're gonna go dress shopping. Uh, she gets she manages to get to the car, and uh, the dress dress shopping is a whole ordeal. Like it's it's not fun. It doesn't look like it. Um, but we get a question. I think she asks. I'm not sure what the context was, but do you think she went to the woods to kill herself? Oh, uh, talking about the 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 lost one, the missing woman. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, I, I'm guessing this is part of the writing process. Where mm-hmm. It's just theorizing, like trying to get in the headspace of both the actual woman and the fictional character, mm-hmm. because we're trying to construct a narrative and certain things play better in fiction than they do in reality but um yeah i'm not entirely sure of the context of that but clearly that's the most important thing on shirley's mind throughout this entire story yeah (laughs) it's like people we have house guests since when (laughs) also logan lerman does have a bit where um he's arguing i think it was after the dinner where he gets wounded his pride Mm -hmm. um and he comments that women like shirley don't have friends (laughs) It's true. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I tend to agree. It's <laughs> not wrong, yeah. So he's cautioning Rose about getting too close. Uh, and then we get the weirdest scene in the film, which is Rose rolling in the dirt with a cigarette. You got, got nothing. You got me, man. Got I, I, you know, I went to the Evergreen State College, Kyle. I did not take underwater basket weaving. I was involved in some of the theater stuff, but you if, got me, man. If we keep with the, if we keep with the idea that Rose is some part of Shirley like she's writing her she's writing herself into the story is what we get to and if you think of Rose as kind of a part of Shirley have you noticed that throughout the film Shirley has um like ink on her finger yeah there's a few scenes where it's there's a big it's a big splotch of ink on her uh, on her finger and you don't really see Rose uh smoking much I don't remember seeing her smoke much in this movie but this one scene, she's rolling around, and I noticed that her hands are really dirty, and she's smoking a cigarette, and this is when she's, you know, pregnant and showing. I'm, it's some kind of, I was just thinking it might be some kind of dynamic. I, I was, I, I really struggle to find meaning from that. Like, something about connection to Earth, uh, I, I know that's a big thing in certain New Agey type circles. I was like, thinking more of a birth like uh like the cycle of plants birth and death each season maybe this it's is just something. soil i didn't see any seeds or any plant life i think there were flowers on either side of her yeah but not in the dirt and and like she was pressing her abdomen into the dirt pile and yeah. performance sm- art smoke yeah. um, but, it, I, the code word i use is walking man it's a reference to king of the hill where mm-hmm. hank hill goes to an art exhibit and there's a series of television monitors that are playing a constant loop of a man in a suit and a bowler hat walk from left to right of the frame. And there's an audio track that just keeps saying, walking man, walking man, walking man. Derivative. So so for all time, when I, whenever I encounter 
art of that nature, like high art, yeah, if you high will, art. that I just find incomprehensible. I refer to it as Walking Man. Gotcha. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a Walking Man. It's, it's a Walking Man. I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> I, I'm not entirely sure. And, well, I mean, we're eased into an, a, another weird scene with uh, Shirley on the porch. Uh, yeah, on she's on a swing. Yeah, just outside of the house. Yeah. On, on her own. And we have cut to that shot multiple times in the movie where it's surely posted up in front of like the screen door basically and she's just kind of like braced in the door frame and unable to leave mm-hmm. but this time she sees rose futzing around in the yard i'm not sure if this is a hallucination or a projection because rose is dressed entirely different uh when when she comes into the scene um but something about seeing that image of rose rolling around in the dirt prompts Shirley to find the courage to leave the house and then she's on the swing, and Rose comes around the corner on the porch, and Shirley says, you have a secret. Mm-hmm. I don't know what she's referencing. Again, I'm a little bit lost. And then uh, she, she uh, they kind of, kind of like bump crotches. Yeah, I was going to say this, <laughs> not quite crotches, but we're getting close. They're getting uh, close. Uh, this might be the bisexual element coming into play. Because um, she definitely, live, uh, Rose definitely lifts up her she, dress. She willfully does hike up her dress yeah. and... and move closer like mm-hmm. like it's the kind of situation where the person's on the swing and is like continually yeah. inching a little bit closer to the point that the swing starts like actually making contact with your shins dick move by the way that hurts yeah it does um but yeah rose like actually approaches her and nothing explicit happens no. nor nor i guess is it clear that there's anything even sexual involved but there's yeah. just an element of closeness and mm-hmm. honesty i guess yeah I can see like that. openness and that that's something my friend always told me about um facial movements and stuff the people that tend to hang their mouths open like it's a sign of being open like being more approachable i guess okay um and rose certainly does that a lot like (laughs) naomi watts style (laughs) just gotta hang it open um but yeah then we get the the table scene with the leg rubs under the table where we've got uh shirley is rubbing legs with rose but then she's taking her leg and having her using Rose's leg to rub Fred's under the table. Yeah. Uh, it, it, I want to say that there's some sort of theming going on here where it's like it's like a multi-pronged relationship of sorts. Where, mm-hmm. I mean, Shirley and Stanley have an open marriage where she may be the one constant, but Stanley's attached to her and also, you know, colliding with other people along the way. So it's like she's, she's kind of like easing rose into fred like kind of like urging her to to like move towards him i guess Mm -hmm. and and yeah we're playing footsie under the table i do like uh i do like this i think the fred and rose leave the table and stanley's like what are you up to like you're up to something um but yeah then we get to the faculty party which i mean stanley is probably uh really annoying at parties he seems like he would be very annoying at parties you think jesus yeah because like we're uh you can see shirley sitting on the couch and she is not you can just tell she's uncomfortable uh she's got her new dress (laughs) you're so disappointed yeah i i couldn't hide it (laughs) (laughs) he ran out of coffee he just lifted up his mug and looked in and realized he has no coffee left shit shit um, but yes, uh, this is where Stanley, uh, like, the, the, the party's kind of quiet, but people are talking and stuff, and then Stanley throws on music and starts jumping around and dancing like crazy. Um, he grabs the dean's wife, and he's getting super handsy with her in public, and this is where I figured out, I'm like, oh, got it. 
Yeah. Um, and I think this is where the Dean has a conversation with Shirley. Yeah. Uh, so the party kind of moves outside, um, and there's a whole bunch of people with Guy Fox masks dancing around and schmooching. Because mm-hmm. uh, I guess that it was cool. White people shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. White people with dreadlock shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Shirley sticks around. Like, um, every exchange she's had at the party has been tense mm-hmm. like she's just she's posted up on this this ugly ass couch and she's just not moving um at one point this old man sits down next to her and he's like gushing about her work and mm-hmm. like like i think he says like something about like i read your work and i like i wanted to take a rock and like bash my own head in he's mm-hmm. like how would you do that <laughs> like how would you write that and have me have that impulse and and she's like, eh, it's just writing. Just writing. And she's just not in the mood for it. But yeah, she has this uh, face-off with this woman. Um, she willfully, surely, willfully pours wine all over this ugly couch. And the woman sees her doing it. She's like, what the fuck are you doing, you stupid piece of shit? <laughs> oh, we forgot Rose was throwing food on the floor. This yes. is where she sees the pro- like a projection of the Rose character. Because Rose is at the party, but she's not doing... Like She's kind of uncomfortable as well. Like She's just kind of... As, as most of us would be. Yeah, she she's uncomfortable. And, and then it gets even worse because she's uh, she asks someone at, like at the party where her husband is, mm-hmm. and she can't find him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Shirley has an exchange, and it's made like pretty much crystal clear that this woman is fucking Stanley. Yeah. And Shirley knows she's fucking Stanley, and the way they throw it at each other is like. Shirley makes it known that she she knows and she tells this woman straight up like you mean nothing to you him. mean you mean shit to Stan like yeah. and then the woman comes back with like the only reason he's still with you is because you'll he knows you'll die without him it's like everything we've seen in the movie up to this point points to him truly caring about about Shirley it's just in a in a very strange way. <laughs> um, yeah, the couch, I looked at that couch, I'm like, oh, that's an expensive couch. Because she's, it's funny, she's pouring the wine till it overflows onto the couch. Um, it looked like the couch from American Beauty, where the exact same thing happens. She's like, Lester, you're about to spill beer on the couch. It's a $5,000 couch. <laughs> um, but yeah, she goes outside looking for Fred. He's completely missing. Uh, does she even find him here? I don't think so. I don't think she does. Yeah. Um, yeah, confronts the dean's wife. You'd bore him in a week, is what she said. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. That was, uh, that was a good quote. Yeah. Uh, but then we get, uh, Shirley's still in the middle of the writing process, and now we have a baby. Uh, Rose had her baby. Yeah, uh, the movie goes into, like, almost, like, montage mode after mm-hmm. the, after this big party, after this 5th of November party. And it the passage of time is somewhat indeterminate. It feels like a long time, actually, because mm-hmm. the baby has been born and is a baby. Yeah. Like, it's not like you know, that little beat-faced gremlin that comes out of people like on day one it's like it's a baby it's a fucking baby (laughs) um and shirley's just like on a writing rampage yes she is just typing away um and this is where i think stanley confronts her like not really confronts her but he's like asking what the progress is basically and she's like because you've missed dinner like all week so he brings in drinks and she doesn't really she doesn't want to see him like she's in the middle of the writing process and this is where he kind of confronts her is like you don't know like this is who you're writing about like you don't know this girl that's why you're stuck or whatever it is and this is where she has like the exchange is like i know this girl i know what it's like to be a fucking lonely girl on a college campus kind of thing like he 
So she's she's basically saying that she's writing herself into the character, and uh, this is a funny exchange. Uh, he goes, "Oh, so you're writing about that girl?" And she has like a laugh, like she's like pretty, like super pissed at him, but she starts to laugh a little bit. And she's like, "Get the fuck out!" It, it's like a a good married couple moment yeah. where they they both they both speak their own code, so mm-hmm. they 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 kind of figured it out where it's like, "Oh, why are we mad at each other?" Get out of here. Get out of here. Get the fuck out of here. Oh, you. Um, But then um, she's like, we have to, um, she's like, do we need to get rid of them? Yeah, Stanley says, well, I guess it's time to kick out our our guests because basically we're at the end of the road in terms of crafting your book. So Mm -hmm. their their usefulness is worn out. Mm -hmm. Um, And his dismissiveness of that housekeeper, I think, is meant to imply that they've done this before. Yeah. (laughs) uh, the mysteriously vanished and you know uh, irrelevant housekeeper um but yeah uh the fred and rose pairing are told that they're you know we found a place for you to live that's not here mm-hmm. uh, so fred's excited Shirley, um oh well, no rose rather is freaking out she's not especially happy about that because she was kind of easing into things yeah and then we have this moment where she i think tries to stir shit up or just like in a flailing attempt to remain attached to these people she writes in the name of the missing woman in a in the library checkout card uh, of one of uh, stanley's uh, syllabus books yeah and she all but hands it to, to shirley to point out to her and she actually just she has to straight up just tell her so it's like Lady, uh, you're not a very good liar. <laughs> like you're terrible at this. Yeah, she says, um, "No, there's no Shakespeare Society. It's just how the girls decide which professors they're going to fuck." Yeah, and she, I, and the quote is also when she says, "I know who my husband's fucking. Do you know who yours is?" Yeah, and she does it with her Elizabeth Moss face, mm. so it, it hurts. It it hurts. It hurts a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she she knows how to deliver those biting lines. Yeah, so Rose is desperate to stay attached to them and. Uh, basically she was trying to manipulate things to point to like stanley having known the missing woman or something mm-hmm. and shirley tears Get up the, the fuck out she of tears up the shit. card and she's like she eats it yeah she, that, she read that, dragons that yeah, shit she read dragons <laughs> <laughs> very good um but yeah uh rose is distraught yeah and uh she i think she storms off to the campus and, and she confronts her hubby and she's looking like shirley at this point yes she is she's very disheveled she's pale her hair looks greasy yeah. uh and when she's the so she has like when she's at the house she looks fine but when she's this character in uh shirley's imagination she's glowing like she's got beautiful hair lipstick she looks great but now she's actually looking like shirley did at the beginning of the movie or throughout the movie basically um and she just confronts him on the campus and I'm not really. Uh... One thing that I'd like to point out is the soundtrack for the movie. Mm. It vacillates back and forth between being kind of brilliant and a little bit obnoxious mm-hmm. uh, in that indie movie sort of way. And we have a lot of plinky plunky. Um, not it, it's like just kind of like whipping at strings. Mm-hmm. Like you could insert it into any tense indie film ever with this kind of texture to it, this visual texture to it. Yeah, and it would work yeah like yeah. you could you could plug some of these elements into an algorithm Ping, and you would bonk, and bonk, your yeah. your automated computer program would give you an equivalent movie yeah so good yeah thank you Kyle. that was spot <laughs> I know the exactly fuck what you're talking yes, about yeah that i found obnoxious 
Yeah, well, to be fair, there are obnoxious characters in this movie, so they need a soundtrack to suit. Yeah, no, that that that's true. That is true. It does it does match the flavor. Um, but some of the uh, some of the vocals, like it's not a choir; it's just a, a handful of vocalists. I think just making human noises. Mm. Some of those bits are really beautiful, like really cool stuff. Um, I didn't recognize the name of the composer, but I think they. I think I think they have a musical background in like bands. Um, oh, okay. They're a, attached to a variety of labels. I don't think they're strictly a film composer. Okay. Um, but yeah, uh, she she confronts Fred, and the the soundtrack here stood out to me because we have a song playing over it that's very upbeat, and the energy just does not match. Does it not. feels very weird. <laughs> I didn't catch the song during the scene. Yeah, it, it's it's very weird. Hmm. Um, but yeah, long story short, um, Fred doesn't really want to talk about it. Rose most certainly does, and she's carrying her baby the whole time. Yeah, um, and she just kind of takes off. Like she just, leaves the stroller there and just takes the baby. She just walks off into oblivion, and Shirley somehow finds her with her car. And this is where things start to get like metaphysical, where it's like I'm not entirely sure if this actually happens or not. But Shirley says we can go anywhere you want, and Rose wants to go with her baby. Uh, through to the the trailhead yeah where the girl went missing where the girl went missing and then she and shirley both come to a cliffside uh overlooking the, the wilderness and we kind of cut back and forth between rose standing on on this like literal threshold on on the precipice uh to her like packing up the car with fred and getting ready to drive off to their new life mm-hmm. um and meanwhile like shirley is standing there with her on the cliffside and you, I think you said you had some questions about this. Or yeah, something? this is where I got the sense that Rose was supposed to be like um, a little bit of Shirley's like naivete, like her, like her innocence, basically coming to terms with who her husband is and what her life is going to be now. And because we have the shot of them both standing on the ledge, and then while we're going to the car and packing, we just get Shirley standing on the ledge. Yeah, and it's like, did it's like did Rose jump or, or this whole time has Rose just been uh, like this character has been surely putting herself into the book and this is what she was dealing with as a new mother, as a new wife. Because they married, they were... A... It was probably young being as she died at 48. Yeah, I was looking at when they got married. I was looking at when they got married. I think they may have married later hmm. in life. Like a little bit, they were a little bit older when they got married. Um, but yeah, that's what I kind of read this scene as because it doesn't really make sense because the character's still alive. Um, as the movie ends, so I, that I just kind of felt like that's what she was. Using I think Rose the at. I think the rose at the cliff was also wearing a red coat, mm-hmm. uh, so I think it's this is surely. I unfortunately I don't think either of us have read Hangs a Man. No, I plan to. Don't get me I wrong. I have to assume that this may represent the end of the book, or at Could least be, the yeah. fate of that character. Yeah. Um, so I would imagine they did go off the cliff, but um, yeah, uh, in the car we have a really fascinating exchange where. Uh, Fred's like, oh yeah, we'll just you know drive on down the road to our new house and everything will be fine, right, babe? Yeah. <laughs> we'll just get back to normal. And she's like, no, no nothing will be normal. I've got the quote: "It's a little wifey, little rosy." That was madness. Yeah. And then we hold on her for a very long time, and she has some facial tics that point to her not being okay. Yeah. <laughs> like she she does like one of the, like imagine an invisible fly buzzing by someone's head and they just kind of give like a like a dog would do like a yeah. like, like oh we're fighting ghosts now okay <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love uh, I love the ending of this movie uh, uh, 
I, I found it really, really great. Um, so into the last scene of the film, Shirley is just sitting at the table, and you could like you're like not sure exactly what's happening. You can see she's like, like, like a little anxious, but you're not sure what she's anxious about. But you don't even see him in the background. You can just see like a hand out of focus move, or you hear like a like some papers rustle, and uh, I'm like, oh, he's reading her novel, and she's waiting for him to finish, which. I mean, as an as a writer, I'm sure is like is very stressful, especially from your husband, who is a critic, a scathing critic. Scathing like. critic. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she sits down. I don't even think she asks, and he just. I mean, she's like, well, "So, what did you think?" And he's just like, "It's amazing." He, the words he's fucking gorgeous, and she just you see her melt. Like you just she just like she could just fall down basically. Yeah, and it, it's it's all one shot. It's all just. Her face. Her center frame and her face communicates volumes. She's not been... She's had no moments of elation or, like, just being ecstatic. But this is, like, the one moment where she's, like, about to cry. But you can just see, like, her floating, basically. Yeah. Yeah, it, no. He showers her with praise. I think he calls her horrifically talented. <laughs> and he says, I have a few notes, of course. Yeah. Like, but she just takes his... Yes, off, yeah. Uh, the, the, uh, the size he makes as he's walking back to the table. Like, I was like, of course he would do that. He's the kind of guy that yawns and lets the whole room know he's doing yeah. it. <laughs> it helps with the anticipation. He's just like... Oh. Yeah, just... Oh. <laughs> like, he gives, like, a couple of those. Yeah, but it... I, I like I like the ending because like the movie as a whole is it's like Seinfeld it's like this is where a writer gets their material kind of thing. If you look at the movie through that lens, I find it very entertaining. Yeah. And like I, I might have mentioned before we start recording, I like these kinds of stories. The the uh, the how would you say it? the tortured the tortured artist and uh, I like getting a glimpse into that. Yeah, I I could be misremembering the title, but it's American Splendor. That sounds familiar. Uh, it's a. Uh... Paul Giamatti. Mm. Um, it's about a comic book writer, or a comic writer rather, and him writing his writing his life into his comics. Mm. And he's a very very unusual fellow. It's a really cool uh, the way they craft the narrative in that is really cool because we have these interludes with the people that are being represented by the actors in the film. Mm. So we we continually get to see what these people actually are, and then see the actors portray them. And it's like that's pretty fucking accurate. Really, really, really cool story about a man with a kind of a dour, chaotic life. Um, but he he writes his comics, and it gives him. I mean, he's kind of a flat personality, so he doesn't have like moments of ecstasy or anything. But mm. clearly, his his work, his art, is very important to him, and that's that's. It's always interesting to see where where the inspiration comes from and mm -hmm. as you had said before we started recording it's like it's, it's almost like painful mm -hmm. like, like it's almost like a burden where it's like it's it's almost like a responsibility in some ways well it's like therapy would do surely a lot of good but therapy wasn't a really a thing yes so this <laughs> this is what she had yeah um but yeah the ending of the movie is stanley puts on a record and they're dancing yeah and it's it, it was a, a bumpy ass road but yeah. you know they they both got their their home run at the end there so they it's did. like it ends up being a happy story despite being a really tense and awkward one yeah. but yeah um that's that's that was it yeah the whole thing. yeah that, that's that's it that's it <laughs> um yeah that was uh shirley uh from 2020 and it was directed by josephine decker who uh 
neither of us know much else of her work but uh, i would watch something else that she does yeah for sure at the very least i would know it would be handsome to look at I could I could bank on that, but yeah, Elizabeth Moss and uh, Michael Stuhlbarg both knock excellent it, knock it the fuck out of the park. Seriously, yeah, we didn't really even touch on like just them acting, but yeah, they're phenomenal in this. Yeah, uh, it's it's a very very solid exhibition in both of their talents. So if you're interested in either of those actors, definitely check this one out. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, uh, next week I guess will be the the conclusion of the month of Moss. Yes. Uh, and I think we're going to be finishing up with something a little bit more commercial uh, yeah. for a change. It's been a while. Uh, the yeah. Invisible Man. The Invisible Man. Also from the same year, 2020. But uh, in the meantime, folks at home, if you'd like to catch up on any of our other Catching Up on Cinema content, you can find all of that collected on our website at catchinguponcinema.com. Uh, we also have a couple of social media accounts in the form of a Twitter, at Catching Cinema, as well as an Instagram, at Catching Up on Cinema. Uh, so feel free to hit me up at either of those and the show is available on pretty much any podcasting platform you can imagine including cephalopod so fucking google it google it uh but that being said thank you so much for your time thank you so much for listening and we will catch you next time yeah.